You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 107 and 108 of our Reading Through the Bible in a Year plan. So glad you're with us. And as you know, uh, we are really trying to resurrect the oral tradition. That is talking about the scriptures, passing on the story to our friends, to our kids, that they might be rooted in the Word of God because the Word of God is life. It's a light unto our feet, a a lamp unto our path. It is life itself. So we're glad you're with us, and let's just get right into it, Matt. Deuteronomy chapter 28. All right, so our reading for today is Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 15 through chapter 30, verse 10. Chapter 28, I decided, some guys talk about when their daughters are dating, how they're going to meet the guy who wants to date their daughter with a gun or something, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, intimidate them. But me being a man of the cloth, I have friends with guns, and so I can get them if I need that. But I've decided that uh, I'll meet the boy on the front porch with Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I'll say, look, man, there's blessings for following the Lord in this relationship and being nice to my daughter and respecting. Um, and then there's curses. Now, I personally haven't been involved in praying curses over people, but uh, don't make me use this. And then I would read, I would read to them the law uh, and the gospel. Because chapter 28 is, well, to be honest, it's pretty scary. Uh, yeah, so we got the very first section, which we covered yesterday, which is blessings. The blessings. And it's just better than you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And then we get the curses for disobedience, which is worse than you can ever imagine. If you forsake the Lord and you make the nation uh, forsake the Lord and you turn, you cause, you do any of that, you're going to be surrounded in your nation by confusion and frustration in everything you do. Right. Basically, God is going to be turning against you to clean the land of you. So, like, if you pollute the land with idolatry, I'm going to have to clean the land. You shall become a horror to the kingdoms of the earth. And he goes on in great detail. And you realize that for every blessing that was said, there are four curses. to. So, it's four to one. So, this section of... So, one through 15 is blessing. 15 through... I don't even know what it goes to. 68. Yeah. (laughs) There's 68 verses in chapter 20. 15 through 68 are curses. Yeah. So uh, it's he's not joking around. Um, and they get they start with kind of like a general like reversal of the blessings, right? Which is like uh, you won't be blessed, you won't be fruitful, you won't be um, prosperous. Like if you go you against be, an enemy, you will scatter. Like, but beyond that, you'll be scared constantly. Yes. You'll yeah. have no peace. You'll have no rest. Yeah. You'll never be able to enjoy. All the work of your hands will be turned over to your enemies. All mm-hmm. your houses will be turned over to your enemies. And if you do get to live, there'll be no peace. In the morning, you'll wish it was night. And in the night, you'll wish it was morning. And I realized at the end of it, it's describing like it's describing the Canaanite situation. Yeah, he's saying like exactly what's about to happen to the Canaanites is going to happen to you. Like, if you want to be one of them, mm-hmm. just heads up. It's like, if you want, oh, you want to live in, you know, when kids are saying, well, the neighbors, the, my friends don't do this in their house. Oh, you want to be, you want to be in the Anderson clan? Well, or do you want to be in the Barcott clan? Mm-hmm. And so uh, God is literally saying, 
the curse will be you'll be treated as the people who worship those um, idols. And uh, he even gets down to, like, I mean, some of it is just straight up, like, horrific. No, like, it's awful. Like, he gets down to the siege, like, when you're under, you will be sieged and you will be starved. Like, that's the biggest part of a siege is, like, the invading army is trying to starve you out. Yeah, they cut off your water, cut off your food supply. And, and that's what happened in, in Rome, what Rome did to Jerusalem. It, ha- it happened to what? It happens with the Babylonians mm-hmm. in Jerusalem and Rome in Jerusalem. This happens twice. And we actually do know from history, Josephus writes mm-hmm. about cannibalism. Yeah. Like, it, it, and Moses even says, like, a well-tempered, healthy woman yes. will be forced to eat her child. Yes. A well And mannered... won't even share it with the surviving members of her family. Right. And it's so awful. But at the end of it, I realized God is saying, if you turn from me, you will actually be alone in the wilderness. Yes. This world will become a wilderness to you. A foreigner, you'll be a foreigner, an enemy to everyone and everything. And even when you say, you know what, let's just be slaves, mm-hmm. there'll be no buyers. Mm-hmm. No, everyone will turn. But in the midst of this, I found a little nugget of a peculiarity. In 28? Yeah. yeah. Verse 47. Okay. It says, um, let me find it. Uh, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart because of the abundance of all things, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and lacking everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. But we've, we've kind of mentioned mm-hmm. and realized that throughout the Old Testament, God is asking for your heart. He yes. is not asking for perfect obedience. Mm-hmm. He has put his heart towards you, and he's saying, here's how you live with me. Right. So even at the core of all these curses, it's like gladness of heart when in abundance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the hardest thing for us is that as I'm walking through my backyard praying, the coolness of the air, I'm smelling the gardenias, I'm looking at this house that God has provided, I have to remember in my abundance to always thank God and realize that everything is a gift. Yes. And this will be the key to um, avoiding curses. Mm-hmm. So like if even if the people of God, for even on a daily moment, can just thank God for what they have, mm-hmm. he'll overlook, I think, uh, a lot of the disobedience and a lot of this like... If you're able to go, oh, God, I, there's a joyfulness to being with you. There's a thankfulness. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's in the midst of all these curses. I thought that was really cool, that God's heart is to show us grace. And even in saying, here's what's going to happen if you disobey, he's like, but look, I'm just looking for a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, and as we know from the rest of the story, David took wives and built up armies and did things that were against God's law, but he had a heart that rejoiced in God and like yes. at so God's really lenient almost he is and he's really looking for like just don't turn to other gods right like always look towards me and i like thinking of david the even the idea of david worshiping another god is so like a foreign thought like he was so committed to worshiping and in love with god that he couldn't even imagine right. worshiping another god yeah, and here's a guy who lived with the sin of <clears throat> adultery mm-hmm. and murder mm-hmm. for a year before Nathan shows up. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, again, you see God's heart in all this. But what I, the big epiphany for me yes. at the end of chapter 28 is, oh, man. Because the first several times you read this, you're going, 
whoa, God is harsh yes. and there's curses. But then I realized, because we're the people who look back through the lens mm-hmm. of resurrection, this chapter is describing Jesus on the cross. Yes. Only yes. he never turned. He walks through everyone, mm-hmm. like starvation and the lack of fertility and blessing in his ministry. Like he walks through all the curses. He walks through chapter 28 for us. Yeah, he does. Totally. Amazing. So like if you go back and read chapter 28, but uh, read what Christ went through. Mm -hmm. He walked through these curses for us to secure the blessings for us. Yes. And then um, the ultimate, like one of the other things that was hitting me is it's he's protecting the land from your sin. Like you've corrupted the land. The inheritance. And so I'm going to exile you like that's always been on the table like that's not like that's always a the ultimate curse is you will be removed from the land like the canaanites were mm-hmm. like you've polluted the land this is my creation like stop polluting the land i'm gonna remove you i'm gonna send you out scatter you among the nations and you're gonna serve their wooden gods and then their stone gods and because that's the gods you wanted to serve yeah and it just made me think of the prodigal son. We're all prodigal sons. Mm-hmm. We've all said, I want your inheritance. I want you to die, God, and not tell me what to do. And I want all the blessings. Mm-hmm. And so we want the blessings, but then we carry a stubbornness heart, a stubborn yeah. heart, which I think is in chapter 29, or um, we go through 30, where it's like, God knows, oh, I want to be blessed, but I don't want to uh, live with you. Yes. Which is exactly the prodigal son, yes. right? And so that's why repentance is so key. Um, but going in, so that's 28, a, amazing chapter. And it ends with, you are even willing to become slaves to other nations mm-hmm. before turning back to me, mm-hmm. but they won't even want you. So what do you do when you're ready to become a slave? And again, I'm thinking of prodigal son all of a sudden when yeah, he is. was, when he it's was willing parallel. to come back yeah. when he was willing to come back, his father was waiting. Like our God waits on the porch mm-hmm. when the other nations and their gods, when you're ready to to turn yourself into a slave for them, they're nowhere to be found. Yes. And so we get into chapter 29, which, which is they're... Next in, gen, right? It's the next gen. He's just said all these things. They're in the land of Moab still, ready to enter into the promised land. And he's like, look, you've heard all these things. You've seen all these things. He gives like a recap of like all the things that they have personally experienced. Yeah, so it's not Egypt anymore. Now yeah. it's Moab and King Og. And, and like, yeah. they've gotten the land... East of the Jordan. Yes. Which is a miracle. Yes. And he's like, just remember these things and remember them with joy and remember that God was with you and it's not, you didn't do this on your own. You didn't do this by yourself, that it's God working with you. But the problem is they don't have the heart or the eyes and the ears to see it. So like Mm -hmm. right off the bat, I think it's verse four, he's talking about, um, again, it's the heart. He's like, but to this day, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or ears to hear. Yes. So like they're still having to just trust the Lord. Like like there's blind faith mm-hmm. here. Even though it's not blind, they can see what God's given. And again, it's to me, it's highlighting the need for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so we have the Holy Spirit who can see these things. And then he goes on, so he says, beware of anybody, a clan or tribe, anybody whose heart is turning from the Lord. Right. Like don't... Don't allow that to continue. And then um, in verse 19, um, if you start to bless yourself and your heart 
in his heart saying, I shall be safe though I walk in stubbornness of my heart. See, I mentioned that. Yeah. So it's the idea of not having a new heart. This will lead to the sweeping away of the moist and dry alike. The Lord will not be willing to forgive him, but rather the anger of the Lord and his jealous, jealousy will smoke against the man and, and the curses written in this book will settle upon him and the Lord will blot out his name from under heaven. Mm. So hold, hold on. You know what this, this triggered in my mind? Yeah. The unforgivable sin yes. in the New Testament. So what is the unforgivable sin? It's... I'm quizzing you. Well, in the New Testament, it's confusing uh, the blessings of the Holy Spirit for the blessings of the enemy. It's rejecting the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's rejecting... And calling what he's done for good as bad. Yeah. And, but that's said here in Deuteronomy. He mm-hmm. says, look, the only way the Lord will turn against you and settle the... He'll blot out your name. Yeah. If it, you confuse, like, what God's done for what you've done. Right. And so if you are trying to lie to the Holy Spirit... Yeah. And take the good things. Yeah, and steal from the Holy Spirit. And your heart is still, like, never intending to worship and trust. Mm -hmm. Well, then what hope is there for you? Mm -hmm. You're rejecting God. So, yeah, your name is written out of the book, which is... And and even when your name written in the book, think of it as a will. Yeah. Like, your name is in the will because you're a child. Well, Mm -hmm. if you say, I don't want to be a part... I don't want your will, Mom and Dad, then you're out. Yeah. And that's simple. And, uh... (sighs) Yeah, and then he, he's like, this destruction will come upon you, and everyone will question and wonder, and you will just have to, people will say it's because they turned away from their God. Right. And, and then, I, I like this, this is probably one of my, I remember this verse, but it's a, it's a great anchoring verse for us. 29? Yeah, 29, 29. Mm-hmm. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law. Yeah. So we don't have to know everything. No. We don't have to answer uh, every question. We can't know the secret things of God. God is too great. But what guides our life are his clearly revealed words. And the words are creative. They perform. So when Jesus says, go, you're clean, they perform. When God says, worship no other God, they perform. They create Mm -hmm. life and faith in you. And you just obey. You trust him, even if you don't feel it yet. You trust him and you say, I know this is right. This is what God has revealed to mm-hmm. us. And I just like that because there's so many things we don't know and we can get caught up in all trying to be God and break mm-hmm. the first commandment and and say to ourselves in an era of, of really we've tried to wipe away all spiritual realities in our yes. culture, like sanitize any spirituality. And so we can't believe anything unless we have proof and we know it to be true well, you're going to have a hard time following the God of the universe because you're so far from being anything like him. You can't know his mind, but you can know what he's told you. Mm-hmm. And so this is all part of Moses' uh, farewell speech. Yeah. That God is gracious and there's responsibilities. And again, I see it as there's law and there's gospel. So then the gospel is in chapter 30. Yeah. Where he says, okay, oh, when all of these things come upon you, because... He knows. Moses knows. He's like... You're not going to be able to do this. You, he knows the condition of our sin. He's like, you just aren't. And so when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse mm-hmm. that I've set before you, and when you are scattered, when you have been exiled and driven from the land, and you're now serving other gods and enslaved by other nations, um, turn, turn back. Like, remember yeah. and return to the Lord your God. 
you and your children, obey his voice and all that I've commanded you today with all your heart and with all your soul. Then the Lord, your God, will restore your fortunes, have compassion on you, and he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord has scattered you. If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord will gather you, and from there he will take you. And it's just this amazing picture of no matter how far you get from the promise, no matter how far you get from God, the moment you turn and you remember and your heart turns towards God and longs for God, God is ready to receive them and receive you and gather you back into the promise. So then the question is, I can't make my heart do that. My heart is desperately wicked. It's dead. And that's where verse six, he says, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart mm-hmm. and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Yeah. Do you, so God's even providing for our hearts. Like that mm-hmm. is, if you need something to repent of every day, if you don't know, I've had times in my life where I thought, oh, I'm doing pretty good. I do not love the Lord with all my heart and my mm-hmm. soul. And every minute of my day, I'm not loving the Lord. God have mercy. And he does. And so that's something you can ask to forgive. And the beauty is he circumcised your heart. He's given you this heart. The Holy Spirit now drives you to recognize, I haven't done this, forgive me. And he's faithful and just to forgive you and say, I know, I'm cleansing you. I've set apart your heart to be saved. And so now your heart longs and it's learning and growing throughout your life to turn your heart. So maybe it's one second a day when you're young. Maybe it's two seconds when you're older. Maybe right now it's five minutes a day where your heart goes, thank you, God. He is setting, he's, he's even providing your heart to carry this out. Yeah. It requires healing that you may live because God takes delight. And this is what gives me so much encouragement mm-hmm. is that he takes delight in prospering us. Yes. And then we're going to learn too that he writes his word on our hearts. He wants to establish us as set apart. So I just pray, Holy Spirit, circumcise our hearts through your word so that we might cling to Christ in faith and walk in obedience to the Father. Beautiful passage. Yeah, Old Testament, man. So good. Anything else to say? I mean, other than this sets up the rest of the story for the Old Testament. It's pretty yeah, amazing. It is kind of prophetic. Like it Moses is super knows. prophetic. Because he's seen the cycles already. He's yeah. been pretty aware and he yeah. owns up to even his own cycle mm-hmm. of God's blessed us. We've had victory. Now we rebel. Mm-hmm. Now we return. Mm-hmm. Now he he gives us victory again. Trust the Lord. I can't. Oh no. Repeat and rinse. And he's saying, yeah, don't be ashamed of that cycle. Always come back. Yeah. All right. So now we move into the New Testament reading, which is Luke chapter 18 through chapter 19, verse 10. And this is uh, the story you teased. That's right. Oh, love this one. Last episode. So the tease was the persistent widow. Mm-hmm. And uh, so again, I think we're still highlighting uh, the Lot's wife and the Samaritan leper, right? Mm-hmm. One turns back to the city, turns into that city, a pile mm-hmm. of salt, and one turns back to Christ and is blessed and your faith has made you well. And uh, and so now to even sol- to more solidify this point, Jesus gives the parable of a persistent widow who um, uh, lives in a city. There's a judge who didn't fear God, didn't respect man. He's just a judge. He's not fair. He's abusing his position of power, and he just doesn't care. And she says, um, she kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. 
You know, she's a widow. So mm-hmm. whatever little she has, someone's taking advantage of her and stealing what little she has. And so she keeps going. And he even says, uh, though I neither fear God nor respect man yet, because the widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. <laughs> so just the, the tenacity of this woman to go, give me justice. And the mm-hmm. next day she makes, and you imagine she's making a scene. Yeah. It's hurting his business. He's like, leave me alone. And he figures, even he figures, you know what? Give her whatever she wants because she's bothering me. Yes. And then the Lord says, you know, uh, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Yeah. Like how much more will our father in heaven hear our cry? He loves us. Right. And so uh, nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on earth? Mm-hmm. Because we give up so easily. Mm-hmm. And so though you find yourself as the rich man, uh, oh, we haven't gotten there yet, have we? Oh, we're getting there. Though you find yourself um, as an unworthy servant or a leper or any of these guys, it's like, keep coming to me. Keep yeah. bothering me with your prayer. Keep Still, asking. It's, it's 12 years, 18 years, 40 return years. Return to me. Return. Don't stop. That's the faith. The faith is, you're the only place I can go. So mm-hmm. until I get what I need, I'm going to keep going. And I might never get what I need in this life, but I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, and then he tells this next parable. Yeah, and, oh, another great one. And uh, he, I mean, this is like super contemporary to his setting because he yep. tells, he uses a Pharisee. Uh, and he's like, two men went to, to the temple to pray. There's a Pharisee and a tax collector. Mm-hmm. The Pharisee, standing by himself, is praying to God and he's like, Basically, thanking God, thank you, God, that I'm so much better than everyone else. Yeah. Thank you that I don't have to, I don't have the sin and the the, the struggles and uh, the dirtiness of everyone else. I give above and beyond I'm because so much better. Yeah. And thank you for that. And then the tax collector can't even look towards heaven, and is just hitting himself, going, "Lord, forgive me, I am a sinner." Mm-hmm. And then Jesus says, "I tell you." The tax collector went to his house justified rather than the Pharisee. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And I think this is still in line with the rich man and Lazarus. Oh, yeah. No, the, all of this is working together. Yeah. It's, ama- it's the unjust judge versus the heavenly father. Right. It's the self-righteous Pharisee versus the humble tax collector. Mm-hmm. And then... If you go on, like the next section is about let the children come to me. And he says infants. Right. So people are bringing their infants and saying, touch my babies and bless them. And the disciples are like, stop. Don't bother him with your kids. You're just trying to like, what's wrong with you? And Jesus says, no, this is the kingdom of God is for such as these. Right. And so uh, anyway, we get ideas of uh, baptizing babies mm-hmm. from this. You're right. Like he's blessing and setting babies apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, so you have unjust judge versus heavenly father, self-righteous right. versus the humble. And now you have baptized infant, like a baptized, set apart, blessed baby. You have infants versus adults. Versus the next story, mm-hmm. the rich young ruler. Yes. So you come in as a rich young ruler. So he tells, this, this guy says, good teacher, what do I do to inherit life? And then he gives his resume. Mm-hmm. I've kept all the law. I've been so good. And I think he's highlighting we all come in as babies. Yeah. 
So then the next, I've come in good, I've done everything, and Jesus cuts to it. And he says, sell everything and follow me. Mm-hmm. And the guy can't do it. He goes away sad. Right. And so then Jesus has to say, um, his disciples are like, what? How can any of us be saved? Yeah. And he goes, it's, well, it's impossible with man. And without God, all things are possible. Mm-hmm. So I can save an infant that's done nothing but cry, demand food, and, and poop itself. But I can't save, or I can, but it's going to be really hard for the rich. Who are trying to save themselves. Who are trying to save themselves. Save their money. And use Jesus to secure your own mm-hmm. way of life. And, and then Jesus has mercy, I think, on, um, on his disciples because they're starting to put it together. And they're like, oh, no. I recognize like who can be saved. I recognize that... We, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd give up everything. Right. And, and then Peter's like, but wait, we have given up some things, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's where Jesus says, um, I know, you've given up house and wives and brothers and parents. You've given it. You walked away from your fishing career mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of this kingdom, but you'll receive many times in the age to come. Right. So, so it's okay, Peter. And then that's, again, it's... it's it all works together. It dovetails so perfectly. Like, only God can save a person. Only God can give away his inheritance. It's his. Yeah. So He's our life... So when you realize that everything is a gift, mm-hmm. we don't have to grab for it ourselves to get it. We ask, and he gives it to us. Yeah. And salvation is only possible through Jesus giving it. Mm-hmm. It's not a deserving... We just have to ask. Everything's a gift. Then... Yeah. You think you're starting to feel good about that and going, all right. But then he says, uh, I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to die. I'm going to be flogged. I'm going to be turned over. I'm going to walk through all these curses, but I'm going to raise again the third day. Yeah. And I love that, again, even Luke is highlighting, uh, but they didn't understand what he was talking about. They couldn't grasp what he was saying. Kind of like infants. Yeah. It's like, like talking. Uh, I don't know. It's like talking to babies. Yeah. They, you could tell them all about how taxes are due, mm-hmm. and the babies are going to go. <laughs> and it's a, Luke says uh, they did not grasp what he said. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get it. And mm-hmm. so they're just tormented. Like they're kind of tormented. Like, oh man. Uh, okay, I'm just going to, I don't know, because we're blessing babies, but the rich guy, he would have been such an asset to our movement. Mm-hmm. He was rich, he was willing, and why did we turn him away? Mm-hmm. And we're taking these little the poor people's babies right. and giving them hope. We should be giving this guy, he can back our projects. And Jesus says, no, you guys don't get it yet. Yeah. And then, again, I think now you start to highlight, again, the rich young ruler... Um, or the Pharisees with a blind man, or with Zacchaeus. And that yes. leads us into the last couple uh, stories. Do you want to give the uh, the blind man story, or yeah. do you so, want to keep going? Okay, so I, like, I have this cool thing about the whole setting of it, which is Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, don't, I feel like I can't get into it without getting too long. So Okay. Um, but... He's he's on his way to Jericho, and just as a like a side note, Jericho was a capital city, like for like that's where Pilate would hang out, like okay. that's where Pilate lived, and so he's on the road to Jericho, and a blind man starts yelling out, 
he like hears the crowd, he hears what's going on, he asks, hey, what's happening? And they're like, oh, Jesus of Nazareth is coming out. And so this blind man starts saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everyone starts to be like, hey, don't say that. And at first, when I when you first realize, like read this, you're like, oh, it's his disciples trying to be like, hey, man, stop doing, like, you don't deserve time with Jesus. But now that I'm reading it and knowing the setting, I'm going, oh, they're saying, play it cool. We don't need the Romans to hear someone yell out, son of David. Right. And, like, a recognition of a potential king yeah, coming into Jericho. It's king language. Yeah. Also, though, do you think uh, the disciples are a little confused? Because early on in Jesus' ministry, public ministry, demonic voices are saying things, things like this. And he, and, and he was always quiet, silencing <sighs> yeah, and them. So the first part of Jesus' ministry is rebuking the demonic powers that are trying to identify him to his mm-hmm. detriment. Mm-hmm. Now you have a blind man who's actually crying out from a need. Mm-hmm. And they're like, uh, it's very confusing. It is very confusing. And, but Jesus says to him, he stops and he says, bring him to me. Yeah. And the disciples, again, I, I like, I like though the confusion of the disciples because when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. You yeah. know what I mean? Like when you don't get it, if Jesus says, bring the blind man, you bring him. Yeah. Even though you don't do know. And we live a lot of our lives like that. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do, but I, I'm just going to go to church. I don't mm-hmm. know what to do. I'm going to read the Bible. I don't know what to do. I'm going to pray. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. And, uh, the secret things belong to the Lord. But the things he's revealed, we do. We do. And I love, like, again, Jesus just asks, what do you want? What do you want? And he's like, I want to receive my sight. And he's like, receive your sight. Which is a different question, though. Like, the demonic would not answer that question. Mm -hmm. They'd always be like, send us into something else. Don't destroy us. Yeah. And this guy says, "Uh, what do you want? And what do you want? I always am overwhelmed by that question. It's such a great and difficult question. It sounds easy. Like, what do you want? Mm -hmm. But understanding... When you say what you want, there are ramifications. Your life will change. Yeah. And you're taking ownership of your problems. Yes. So like you want to see, but you know that as soon as I give you sight, you have to, like there's a whole new set of problems for you, bro. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to figure out how to live not begging. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but not begging is better than begging. So this guy says it, like I want to have sight, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And um, and he starts glorifying God, and what does it say? Um, and everyone everyone like sees it and gives praise to God. To God, and again, yeah. Jesus receives praise yeah. as God. There's no doubt he is the Son of God mm-hmm. that has the power of a king. Um, then you then, got Zacchaeus. Yeah. So now he enters into the city. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Yes. So he, he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. I'm waiting for you to talk again, then I'm going to interrupt with the song. No. <laughs> Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. We're going to your house for tea. Huh. Yeah, they had tea back then. Is that the non-copyright version? So Zacchaeus <laughs> is, everything is working against Zacchaeus, right? Yeah, so Zacchaeus... He's uh, a tax collector. He's a Jewish tax collector. Traitor! So he's a traitor. He's rich, but he's also small, short. He can't... There's a giant crowd amassing around to see Jesus, and he wants to see Jesus desperately because he's like, maybe this is my one chance at being restored, being healed, being like 
re-identified. Right. And so he just wants to see Jesus. And so he climbs up a tree, which is kind of a ridiculous um, move for, like, an adult. Right. A professional adult to do. Well, it's another source of mockery. Yeah. So, like, you got a lot of uh, emotional issues, I think, going on here because he's taking advantage of people in that community yes. and he's rich at their expense, yes. right? So you're allowed to take yes. taxes for Rome, but then Rome says, take whatever you want for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so people, I'm sure, when you don't like somebody, you're making fun of his Oh, height. totally. So you see him climbing up and I'm sure you're going, I mean, you don't want to make him too mad because you don't really want him to, to, uh, to steal more from you, but... You know, he's feeling the judgment of people going, look at the short little stupid Zacchaeus. Ha ha ha. Yes. And so he goes up there, and then what does Jesus do? But he notices him. He notices him in the tree, trying to see him. And he knows his name somehow. And we have no idea if he like knew him beforehand or if this is just a using his divinity to go, I know who you are. I, I mean, I think his reputation probably was pretty bad. And he's like, I'll say your name, Zacchaeus. Yeah. And and I wondered, you know what? Now I'm thinking. This is my sanctified imagination. Yeah, go for it. Wouldn't you be scared, though, to talk to him? Like, stay oh, away from that guy, because yeah. if, if you say something wrong, all your stuff could be plundered mm-hmm. legally. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus says, looks at him, says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house. You're going to, uh, you're going to entertain me today. Mm-hmm. And he received him. So he hurried, came down, and received him joyfully. And then all the people grumbled. See, everyone's like mad. Like, does Jesus not know what a jerk that guy is? Yeah. How does that guy get noticed? We're all trying to wait in line, yeah. fight our way. And you know, you've been to a prayer meeting where the line amasses so quickly <laughs> that you're in the back of the line. You're going to be there for two hours to yep. get prayed for by yep. the guy who prays for people. And, yep. and they're like, why does he get to go first? He cuts the line. Yep. He's not even tall enough to ride the ride. <laughs> so... Uh, Zacchaeus' response, though, is I'm going to give away half my goods to the poor. I'm going to restore anything I've defrauded um, fourfold. Yeah. I mean, basically, he's going to give give everything back. And all because he's been restored to dignity as a child of God. And, And Jesus actually says to him, salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. I'm restoring you, Zacchaeus, to your your people. Yeah. For the Son of Man, and this is the phrase that um, is repeated throughout the Gospels, but is so powerful. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So, some things for me. Yes. Do whatever you got to do to get with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Overcome judgment of people. Overcome handicap, your blindness, your shortness. Overcome your sin. Mm-hmm. Overcome your racism. You know, for um, yeah. Samaritans, overcome yeah. your poverty, widow. Overcome your riches, rich man. Get do whatever you got to do to get with Jesus. Yeah, and it will change you. And uh, so Zacchaeus is different than the rich young ruler. And again, the disciples are banging their heads, going, "Really? We don't need another Zacchaeus." Matthew was a tax collector. He's hard enough to deal with. <laughs> and um, now we don't need another of these guys. We need the right. rich young ruler. Yeah. But no. Um, understanding the reality of your need for things mm-hmm. and you will understand the great value of being with Jesus. And, uh, and then what is striking a chord with my heart is Jesus, it says over and over again, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Mm-hmm. And so I so often try to get Jesus's attention 
and his love by bringing all the things like the rich ruler saying, oh, I've been good and I go to church Mm -hmm. and I read and I've done all these good things. Now, can I work with you, Lord? Can you bless me? And Jesus plainly says, hey, you know who gets my attention, right? The lost. Yeah. So anyone who's like, God help me, I've made a mess of it. Ooh, he, you catch his eye. He goes to you. You have his attention in your weakness. He came to seek and save the lost. So the more lost you are, the more FaceTime you're going to get with Jesus. Yeah. And the so, more healing, the more love, the more assurance. So my message today is be lost. Yeah. <laughs> I recognize... Okay, so I'm going to tie it to the Old Testament. Do our it. Old Testament reading. Do it. The curses where... Um, the whole thing where do you when you are in exile... Mm-hmm return to the Lord, recognize that you are in exile yes, and that you've, you've done that to yourself. And so we have the blind man who's exiled from community. He's outside the city, forced to beg because he's blind. And he recognizes this. Yep. And he wants to be able to see. And God restores his sight and he restores him to the community of people and the land. He's allowed back into the city. He can work. He can do things again because he's recognized his disability. He's recognized that he is lost and he needs help. You have Zacchaeus, who's been exiled from the community of the Jews, from his own people. And not accepted by the Romans either. Yeah, he's been exiled from all community. And now he's recognizing, I have done that to myself. Jesus, I need help. And Jesus restores his identity, his social identity, as you are a son of Abraham I know who you are, I know your name, and you are valuable, and you are now welcomed back into the land and into the community with me. And even the persistent widow, God will bring justice, restore justice to babies, restore inheritance. Mm -hmm. You're not discounted for your youth. Right. Like, it. it, praise God. So if you're struggling today with your weakness and overwhelmed by your constant failure— recognize that's the strength your strength is god your strength is in repentance and saying god help me and the angels rejoice you know i was thinking about that i was praying the other day and he says it a couple times earlier in luke where the angels rejoice over one sinner who repents Mm -hmm. and i always have applied that to someone coming to faith for the first time but then i realized the angels rejoice every day when we go god forgive me they rejoice oh he's with it and they might rejoice 20 times today over yeah. me. Yeah. And those are just the, the sins that I know I'm doing mm-hmm. and I'm repenting of. Mm-hmm. Do whatever you got to do to get with Jesus today. Um, you want to overcome all these things from the outside, even exile. Like how do you overcome the enemies who are trying to destroy you? You go. To, you find a way to get to Jesus. Yeah. And that's the only way to, to overcome all these things. Thank you, Luke, for writing these things down. Thank you, God, for giving us the Holy Spirit to understand them. Mm-hmm. Boom. Boom. Today, we're going to turn to the Proverbs. You know, yesterday's psalm, or the previous day, be still and know that I am God. Yeah. That was hidden in there. It yeah, was really good. I... But it's time for a proverb. It's time for a proverb. So Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, 
but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.